Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Thursday Mornings with Alex and Don, where Pastor Don answers all of your questions from theology, parenting, and whether he can tell if you're sleeping in church. Enjoy. Please like and subscribe. That's it. Pastor Don. Good morning, Alex. How are you doing? So far, so good. We got up and hey. Yeah. We're back in the sanctuary. I like it. I like it a lot better in here. I like the sound in here. I really mm-hmm. do. Yep. So, if anyone's out there listening, where you live in Iowa, we're in the middle of May. And we might get snow tonight. We're in the middle of May? March. March. Yes. March. And we might get snow. And we went, it was almost 70 degrees yesterday. Yeah. So, if you don't like the weather in Iowa, just wait a few hours. It's going to change. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that drives people crazy. Yeah. Keeps life interesting, though. That's the take. It keeps life interesting. That's you know. a positive way to look at it. Iowans are very seldom bored. That's right. Yeah, you don't know if there's going to be mud outside or if it's gonna, wind's going to take you away. That's right. Or mm-hmm. the Hawkeyes are going to win or they won't. You know, you, yeah. you got all those things that play into the interesting life of Iowans. That's right. So I told you yes, that you I was going to give you some really hard-hitting questions today. I, I know. I've been worried about it ever since you said it on Sunday. Let's get right into it. Would you rather lose half of your church members or eat a bag of live crickets? I'd eat the live crickets. There you go. What if it's a really big bag? If it's a 50-pound bag, then we might have to renegotiate. <laughs> Put enough salt on things, you can get about anything down. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Um, okay, so... I wanted to talk about this because we had a meeting a few nights ago um, about kind of what direction the Methodist Church was going. And I'm not really talking about those topics that we discussed, but I was kind of interested, like, if for people who don't know, your, your grandpa mm-hmm. was a... Great-grandfather. Great-grandfather. Mm-hmm. What was, and he was a circuit... Wait a minute. I, great-great-grandfather. He was a circuit-riding preacher in the Drakesville area. And he uh, held services at Wesley Chapel, which is right next to the cemetery, northwest of Drakesville. Okay. He's actually buried in the Bear Cemetery, which is straight north of Drakesville. A Bear Cemetery? Yeah, B-O-E, B-O-E-R. Oh, okay. It's Bear, and uh, he's buried, he and his wife and the one son that died okay. are buried in that cemetery. Interesting. So... Since I know you kind of have that background of like seeing the churches, and maybe you've got something passed down. I was like, where did this like church structure come from? Like where it's so strange to me that we've made it kind of like it's a hierarchy of take some of the money, give it here, you know, for a better cause kind of thing. Right. But well, almost every denomination has its structures and actually the Methodist structure is not that much different than some of the other mainline denomination structures. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, it is a denominational polity, okay. which is more structured and from the top down. Yeah. And in Methodism, which you know they have a method about everything right. in Methodism. Uh, with that, they wanted to make sure that not only did they facilitate, and this is probably a lost piece, they facilitated getting new churches out into the, especially in those days, the pioneer areas, the, uh, the frontier, if you will, and almost every town of any size was 
going to have a Methodist church. Yeah. That was the method that the Methodists were doing mm-hmm. to make sure that the gospel got out. So in order to do that, you had to organize. Okay. And in order to make that happen, often you had to bring monies from the East to the West, to the Pioneer, to the Frontier, to make sure that these churches happened. And so often they were funded by the denomination. Well, then the denomination owned the buildings. And some of those things, you know, happened because of the way the gospel moved the churches moved from the east to the west. Did they like make it like a contractual thing? Hey, we're setting up this church, but remember, oversight's coming from back here, or is it simply just like, here's your funding, here's your church? It was it was basically done in harmony. Okay. So, you know, we want to make sure that the church is invested in, sure. but we also want to make sure the church stays true to our structure, and we want to provide you a pastor, because we want the theology to stay straight. And so there are sort of safeguards back and forth. Okay. Uh, but a lot of times, and, and probably the last 60 years, these individual congregations funded their own buildings and grew to in the, in the way they sort of wanted mm-hmm. to grow. And uh, they, they did that with the help and the uh, oversight of the district superintendent. Sure. It, it's not altogether a bad structure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think what's happened is, What's happened to every other denomination in the United States is what's happening on the ground in the congregation and what's happening in the denomination has sometimes become unlinked. Uh, it's not in sync with each other like it once was. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the part that I struggle a little bit with is the amount of oversight. And I'm sure some people are sympathetic to that point of view as well as you start to see, you know, a lot of your resources being, you know, shipped away. So like, you know, with the Methodist church, we have appropriate or not appropriate, um, apportionments Mm -hmm. that go to the, you know, either global Methodist network or the, in the state side of it. And, um, we recently had to cut a bunch of funding for all sorts of stuff. I think that was like four or five, four years ago. We kind of cut off the summer camps and just kind of hope that they are going to stick around, which they seem to be doing well on their own. But then you kind of see some of the buildings that is, you know, in Des Moines and stuff like that, that, you know, these are big, nice buildings. I'm sure that a lot of that money just goes to have a nice place for all the oversight and organization. And yet on the ground level, we're struggling a little bit. Uh, And this is where the, this is where I would have a hard time speaking into the conversation very far because I don't know how the conferences work as hearing the per- person in the pew to the person who's the bishop, like bishop over the state of Iowa, mm-hmm. Iowa district. I don't know how those lines of communication are drawn in the Methodist church. Okay. What I do know is that in the United States, by and far, what the push is, is for a more congregational polity that the local congregation does its own thing. It wants help when it needs help, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, We're going to see a big problem come up in the next 10 years because there is nowhere near enough pastors to pastor the churches that exist right now. Right. Let alone the ones that will happen in the next 10 years. And it's compounded by the fact People are getting older like myself mm-hmm. and will, well, we either have two options, retire or croak. Yeah. 
And so, you know, it's going to cut down the number of, of people who are able to fill pulpits. Um, I think we may have to look at new structures to get that done. So, each town, I, I think, needs to think about who we're living into or how we're living into our local church, our yeah. local religious community. Mm -hmm. uh, what's that going to look like? Yeah. The diversity in those congregations are also growing to a certain amount. I mean, look how diverse Westchester is. They let a Mennonite into the pulpit. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Luckily, we're kind of, you know, being a Methodist Mennonite <laughs> mesh. It's not, it's not that unusual here. It wouldn't be weird, you know? Well, we're emphasizing what we agree on. Yeah. And I think maybe that's not a bad model for Christians to mm -hmm. take in this time. Uh, yeah, there's oh, things no that kidding. we don't yeah. quite see the eye to eye on, but uh, we're emphasizing the commonality, and uh, not focusing on the differences. Mm -hmm. Which, tune in next week. We're not going to be live next week, but we'll do a recorded video since you'll be gone. Um, I've got some fun stuff to do. Oh, you do? Yeah, fun little things to do that will... Games? Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. So, um, and I'm if, you're, if you're... I'm nervous already. Good. That's where I like it. <laughs> um, so, would more pastors help? More pastors would help, but I also think there's a growing need for laity to to be a part of the mix. Mm -hmm. um, realistically, to live out our theology in our day-to-day -day lives, you need somebody who's got a good enough handle on the Word to be able to talk it into the day. Sure. And those have been our theologians. My thing about that is, if you live in the ivory tower you're not going to know how to mow the grass. Mm -hmm. And so where we as, where I'd like to see is that to come together a little closer. Those who are well-versed in God's word need to be able to mow grass. Yeah. I mean, get down into the trenches and, and know what day-to-day -day, day -day life is. Yeah. And uh, our models haven't really been all that conducive to both. Right. And, you know, I've thought for a long time, is it's kind of like with um, the current education system we have, too, where we have all these teachers, which is what a pastor is, a teacher. I mean, there's a lot of, I remember during the coronavirus, my, one of my wife's friends who teaches out in Seattle, um, so they were making videos, right, for the kids to watch of the different stuff. And there was kind of an issue where they're like, they had to sign something or there's some sort of agreement where the school got to keep those videos. So like, wait, wait, hold on. You can't just like keep all of this stuff because then what do you need us for? Because then you've just got the curriculum right there. You don't necessarily have to keep someone on and pay them. You've got that content. But that's kind of like I've done a sermon, some sermons here before and I'm not like, you know, intellectually as advanced as you and not... I, I said that like I'm pretending to be smart. I'm not as smart as you, Don. With well, especially well versed in the Bible. Oh yeah, you're as smart no, as no, me. No, no, we no. just need to get you in that in the Bible more. Yeah, that's you probably true. Book chapter and verse, and you'll be fine. There you go. But like I can make reference mm -hmm. and put together a good, well, a, a decent, not as good as you. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, but I can use the reference, and I use internet. You know, like I could just like take one of my favorite sermons, copy it word for word, and just recite it, and that could give a lot of fruit. True. 
But one of the things that we're also wrestling with is we've got a society that likes to be entertained and you've got to put out a pretty good product to be listened to. Oh, yeah. And so I'm not sure all the kids were really excited about those videos that came out, you know. Mm -hmm. Some of the better teachers probably were well-received. Oh, yeah. But one of the things I'm learning, even at my age, after preaching for over 40 years, I can learn new stuff about preaching. Oh, yeah. And we need to do that because the, the people in our pews are not the ones that were sitting there 40 years ago. Right. There's a few there, mm -hmm. but they're not, by and large, the same people. Right. And so when we speak and we speak about God, we need to speak it in a context that those in the pew are going to listen. Yeah. And so we can't always use the three-point sermon with an introduction and a closing to engage people in the pulpit like we once did. But there are some people who want that because they don't want it to change. Um, generally, your older congregation, they want it this certain way because they're used to it this certain way. And I have a, a, a close friend who's also a pastor now, and we, we kind of pushed him to become a pastor here. And he's like, I, with it, and at the time, there was so much going on with the Methodist church. You know, he, he's like, I'm going to bring my kids here. They're going to get so confused. We keep changing. Uh, stuff keeps changing. This, ta this tablet here keeps changing. <laughs> so I don't know. The, the if tech keeps changing. Video or not. You know, um, there was a time that we didn't even have uh, amplification for our sermons. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we've, we, everything's changing. And in reality, Every church will change. Mm -hmm. I mean, it'll change one way or another, either get bigger, it'll change its format to, to meet whatever's happening in the church at the time, uh, or it'll close. I mean, that's a change too. What I've found is in congregations that have a, a really uh, strong desire to stay, remain traditional, yeah. that you can honor the past live in the present, and create the foundation for the future. So many times we throw out the baby with bathwater, and it doesn't work very good. And I think if, if congregations, it, it, a lot of times it has to do with control. Who's in control? If congregations will look for Jesus to be in control, congregations desire to honor and glorify God, it takes the agenda away from you and me and whoever was making decisions at the time to a desire to follow what is God doing here? What's God's Holy Spirit leading in? How do we see people growing? Where do we pe see people not growing yeah. that we need to be working at? A and live the gospel into people because that's what God was trying to do. Mm -hmm. That's why he sent Jesus. Yeah, The Old Testament didn't do it. Yeah, it's not like God doesn't want us to change. It's not like he's looking at every church being like, hey, you guys are doing it perfect. Actually, God always wants us to change. Right. He wants us to change from better to better. Yeah. And I find that the Holy Spirit's still working in my life and trying to knock some of my rough edges off. And I thought I'd been working at it for quite a while now. Surely that process <laughs> ought to be over by now. I should be pretty polished. I should be shiny. Uh -huh. And I'm not shiny. Yeah. I still have my rough edges. Uh, just ask people who 
deal with me every day. <laughs> and they know I have rough edges. And that's all, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm still needing to work at it. Right. Yep. Well, sometimes it just comes down to your church, you know, management or the, what is that? Some Over- acronym committee, you mm-hmm. know, kind of delegating the strengths around and finding the best areas for people to help the whole church grow. And that's always a lot of fun, too. Um, I'm on one of those committees, and I love pitching just like crazy ideas because I'm the youngest one there by, I'm going to say 10 years just because I can't quite remember who's all on the committee, but just pitching crazy ideas to just watch people and their reactions, and generally (laughs) they don't take anything seriously, but which is good. Well, they do take you seriously because we're here. Well, that's true. But sometimes I'm like, what? This is one of those crazy ideas. That's true. And uh, and so they do take you seriously. That's good. And the edge is moving. And mm-hmm. and and then you know, what are we? Uh, we're uh, nine months into this process. Yep. And uh, and there's probably more people watching us on Thursday than do Sunday morning. Yeah. We got a phone call from Kansas. That's right. On one of the you know. That's fun. Of course, you gave up the number. And it- <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. I gave him your number. He called me, and I was just like, I really hope that Don, uh, this wasn't like a stalker that Don didn't tell me about, and I just gave it up. And Well, what's so funny is when he called, you know, I keep all my contacts from phone to phone to phone, yeah. and his name came up on my contacts, so okay. I knew who it was who okay, called. Okay, good, good. And it was sort of fun. It was fun. Our conversation wasn't very long, but it was, we'll... We'll connect more in the pat in the future. Good. Yeah, I'm in my head. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna now. Don's gonna have to go and move. He's gonna go into another witness protection somewhere. I just gave it up. He witnessed a murder or something, and no. yeah, no, not as fun as that. No, no, not as fun as that. Okay. Um. Ooh. Yeah, we do. We read John. One through four. The whole chapter? Yeah, no, just oh. John one, one through four. I think that's what it is. I, I transferred this from other bad handwriting. Well, I know it's probably not as bad and as I wish I could throw it up to, to show everyone as well. But um. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So what I was kind of interested about it, it's a little, there's multiple parts of that that's a little confusing to me. But something I want to highlight is sometimes it doesn't have him capitalized, and it's like that through all the translations. So they're not capitalizing him even though, and is it speaking of about the word? Mm-hmm. That's what it's that's what it's talking about, right? Right. And the that's word was God. And God from the beginning, yeah. But there's other times in the Bible where they refer to the word. I brought that up. I brought that up to someone who was on the committee with the NIV. Yeah, been a few years ago, and it had to do with the context of the pronoun, and so I don't. You know, like the King James, yeah. as long as the hymn repl- re- referred back to God, it was capitalized in the King James. Yeah. Uh, when you came to later versions, then the, the pronoun that was assumed to reflect that noun 
and the noun was God, was no longer capitalized. And so they were, they defended it as being the way we do our English language. Okay. Editing. So I, I, I dropped it, but I think part of it was not making the assumption of where the pronoun reflected. I see. Because they didn't know. Well, they should have. I mean, right here. It is. I mean, that one seems pretty straightforward. <laughs> this one seems really straightforward. So I'm not sure. And it, to me, it was it was sort of a, a way of saying, well, we're going to do it this way. Yeah. So maybe it was maybe they, because I almost was wondering if they left it that way so that it wasn't referring to God. Because if it was capitalized, that might might have been very obvious to somebody that it was actually referring to God. But Right, and, and then the other side of it is if you're trying to make a valid translation and you're just doing a pronoun, then if you capitalize it, you've already done the, the uh, inference. You've actually loaded the pronoun rather than it just being a translation of the pronoun. Oof. How's that for an explanation? I'm, I'm... In other words, so the NIV was making the approach that we wanted to do as close to a word-for-word -word translation of the Greek to, to English as possible. Well, if we capitalize that pronoun that isn't specifically God, okay, then we've already put our bias mm -hmm. on the pronoun. I see. That that really does refer to God. Okay. So as long as they left it, well, it's just pronoun to pronoun, pronoun to pronoun. Yeah, but that goes and, the other way then too. Someone could be reading me like, oh, okay, well, it's not capitalized. It it's must not, not be God then. God then. Right. So. And, and those dangers run when we move from, from one translation from one text to another. Yep. Uh, I do applaud that the NIV was trying to go back to the original text. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I applaud the fact that it's easier to read than yep. some of the word-for-word -word translations that appear after that. Yeah. Uh, and it was done by a committee of scholars rather than just a small few. Now, granted, this many years after the NIV was first produced, very few of that committee are still living. Okay. J.C. Wenger did the uh, translation of Hebrews, and I was in—he was one of my teachers at seminary. Yeah, and he died in '89. Okay, so he's well, been gone a long time. Yeah, he pretty much wrapped that up, and that was that. Yeah, yeah, because it was written in '83. Right. Yeah. I, I actually, Charlene has one of the Bibles that came out, one of the first that we got him at seminary, and. Uh, that was before 79. And then my, the one I use all the time is 1984. Okay. And uh, even there are a couple places in translation I don't like it. Mm -hmm. but just uh, that's my, my reading of Scripture, and yeah. I didn't like the way they translated it. Uh, we caught one on her because we were doing Bible study together, and it talked about the, the stone the builders rejected. Okay. And in the 1979 early translation, it said capstone. In the 20, in 1984, it was the cornerstone. Now, obviously, whoever wrote it or whoever did that translation didn't know the difference between a capstone and a cornerstone. Oh. Because capstone sets in, on top of a doorpost or a door or, or something like that to finish. Yeah. Pushing the load right. around that opening. That's a finish work. Yeah. Whereas a cornerstone is the stone that you lay by which all the rest of the building is lined up to. Mm -hmm. 
so it, it's straight and you do all your measurements and all your uh, leveling and plumbing straight lines and yep to that stone right and so the importance that the two different tax oh, entirely yeah. yeah for those two stones change that completely so the change from the 70 version of niv to the 1984 niv that was a significant difference in translation as mm -hmm. far as i'm concerned yeah I'm glad you're so articulate and intelligent about those things. Sometimes I, sometimes I hear people when they talk, and they're so, I mean, just articulate, and each word is perfect, not like how I'm doing this right now. And then they also are very intelligent, and then sometimes in my head I'm like, I bet they can't build or fix something, because then I'm like, that, that way I still have value. But You still, you, but you I, are very creative. But you've got, you can still do all the stuff with your hands too, so... And I can stutter just as good as anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. I remember I watched some of the our first episodes <laughs> that we did, and it was just like, woof. We've come this far by yep. faith. Yeah. You know? Yep. <laughs> yep. You're doing a good job with this. Oh, good. I'm glad. If anyone's watching and wants to help us, share this with a friend. Send them a link to it. Amen. Um, just get some more people watching, that kind of stuff. That really builds what we're trying to do here. and. Well, um, and we want to do it in such a way that it starts bringing people more to who Jesus is. Yes. Uh, we want to articulate the word as best we possibly can. We also want to deal with the questions that a lot of people yes. are working with. And if we can bring the word to those questions, uh, that's part of our, our task, I think. And just get the questions start, like, get people to start asking these questions in their heads, thinking about it. Because I know it's so easy to just be like, this is the right thing because I'm not going to think about it anymore. And some, it, you really got to start asking yourself those questions to give that a backbone. And mainly because we're, we're passing this faith down to another generation. Yeah. If we're not able to articulate it, mm -hmm. we're not going to be able to pass it very well. No. And so if we can help in that articulation of our faith, not only in the generation that's filling the pew today, but into the next generation who will carry it into his, into the what will become history. Yeah. Uh, what was it, two Sundays ago we preached about legacy? We are, in one way or another, living out our legacy of faith into yeah. the next generation. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not going to happen uh, without effort, without living into it. Um, we, we aren't Christians just because we come set in the views. Right. We're Christians because of what Christ has done in our hearts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Will you pray us out? I can do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love, your immense mercy towards us. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. Guide us in it. We pray a special blessing on everyone who listened to us this morning and the ones who will listen to us after it's taped. Guide us all to be better reflections of your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, everyone. Again, next week, got some fun stuff planned, so please join us. And uh, have a great week. Have a great day. Pray for me. Yeah. <laughs> pray for us all. Take care. Take care. Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode. We are both having a ton of fun making these videos and episodes. And if you're having fun too, please tell a friend about this. 
and help us to grow this mission. Thank you and God bless.